That's how you do it. Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, and uh, after a long, long hiatus, it's been a busy winter. Um, excited to be back and got uh, Mike Monin on the phone once again. Uh, it's always good to catch up with you. I always intend to catch up with you in person, but you don't usually get routed through Fairbanks too much, huh, Mike? No, sir. We They don't let us come to Fairbanks anymore. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's kind of funny because Fairbanks, you know, you would think would be a hub for a lot of the northern stuff, and I guess it is for some, but pretty much all you guys, you guys got to go, you would have to go through Anchorage to get to Fairbanks. Well, we the morning flight a lot of times goes through Fairbanks, oh. but it, you can't get home. To get home, you have to go back to Anchorage and come back and, and be, to be honest, a lot of our cargo, like common sense will tell you, okay, we'll buy cargo in Fairbanks and it'll come straight north. Almost all of our cargo gets routed down to Anchorage, and everything comes out of Anchorage. And obviously, Anchorage is five times bigger, so it has more choices. So it just makes more sense for us to go to Anchorage for for yeah. shopping, for cargo, for for medical if necessary, or whatever. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no kidding there. And I guess if if uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, Mike, um, I think we mentioned it on the la- last time you were on. Mike lives up in Barrow. I. I I guess we're not supposed to call it Barrow anymore, but I, I can't pronounce the actual name for it anymore. So, um, but. It, And most of us still call it Barrow. It's, I think we talked about this last time. It's Utkiavik, and last last time I went to buy a hunting license, the Fish and Game doesn't list Barrow anymore for one of the options, and I was freaking out. Like, yeah. <laughs> how do they not have my address on here? And finally, I, I scrolled all the way to the bottom, and there's Utkiavik, so it's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, when you wait, uh, like, like me and everybody else, when you wait till about like two o'clock on the last day, last day to put in applications, <laughs> buy your hunting license and something like that. I mean, I know there was a couple guys I've talked to who got, you know, quote unquote screwed this year because they went, you know, they waited till the last day, you know, in the afternoon and then the, the fishing game site went down or something like that. And they weren't able to apply. Yeah. I heard some horror stories. That That's sad. That. You know, and you, you know, you shouldn't wait. That's, we all shouldn't wait, but that's just how it works sometimes. Yeah. You know, and it, we forget it slips our mind because we definitely have a long time. Yeah. To do it. It's, and I, you know, I apply in a ton of states and it's, it always seems like, you know, they all give us a month or more. And I always seem to be the last day or two struggling to write the check or put it in the credit card or thank goodness all of them do it online nowadays. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, up here, we, you know, Alaska is really the only one I put in for. I really probably should be exploring more options and doing a little bit of traveling, but it's just, and trying to plan ahead, but planning ahead's not always my strong suit. So yeah, I'm usually, I think I got it in a few days before the deadline this year, but a lot of times I'm a last, last day guy. And you know, I mean, the, the site crashes, sorry about your luck type of deal. Yeah, well, it's the same when we're all trying to figure out the draw, too, right? Like, yep. when it comes out in February, well, next week, I guess, or week and a half, whatever it is, we'll all be updating the, the site 200 times a day, yep. and when it shows up, it'll crash, and whoever got there first is going to be able to call everybody else and let them know what they draw. Yep, that's kind of, didn't draw. Yeah, that's kind of the annual annual routine, you know, and 
I mean, it's so bad. Some of us will be like, you know, tell everybody, all right, don't, don't tell me. I think, you know, Frank last year was like, if I drew anything, don't tell me. I want to go look myself, you know, because usually with, <laughs> with, within five minutes of it being up, you know, if you start seeing posts about I drew this or I drew that and you haven't heard anything from your buddies, you're shit out of luck again. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I almost, it never fails every year. I'm, I get busy doing something and don't get to be one of the first ones to look and someone will text me and say, you drew this or or, you know, I, you didn't draw nothing or whatever. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I've been in Prudhoe a couple of times working when the draws come out. And, you know, February, obviously, notoriously bad weather month. And be a weather day and everybody's stuck inside. And we're all typing away at the computer waiting yeah. for the draws to come out. And, it, you know, it's radio silence. Waiting, yep. You know, hitting the, hitting the refresh, refresh yeah. every couple of minutes waiting for the draw to come out. Yeah, it's funny. And, you know, I've I heard, heard so many people say it's like you it's the time of year where everyone gets so excited to be disappointed. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a, it's a freaking yeah. funny thing. We have 20 guys in the room and two guys draw and everybody else is mad dash making plans to call somebody else for a backup plan. And the two guys that drew are mad dash trying to get a plane to go out and. Yep. Yeah. Know, making reservations. You know how tough that can be finding a flight and everybody's calling at the same time and oh. poor transporters and guides i mean it's all it's all at once oh yeah it's a, a fury and every you know and everyone it's kind of i don't know if other states do it like this because in alaska if, if for those who don't know you can actually look up by you look up by name for the drawing results so everyone gets on if they haven't already been told by their buddies they get on look up your results and then you have like the the, the circle spreads outward you're you're looking up names of like people you haven't talked to in three years to see if they drew anything i don't know if that's the same way for you but it seems like every year for me i'm like just going out in a ever-expanding list of people i'm like oh you know i met this guy one time did he draw anything oh yeah i find myself doing that all the time and it used to be you know guys could could uh we could save the list or yeah. stay up and then you know when a guy would you know us being sheep hunters and sheep hunters are notoriously hard-headed and goofy but we you know, I I find you know see a guy kill a big sheep, and then you go back and see which what he drew. Yeah. Even with draw tags, guys get pretty tight lipped. You know, you can go back and figure out what a guy drew or where he was hunting or whatever. Yeah. And I don't think they do that anymore. Like you, we got like two three weeks to look at the list, and then it disappears. But yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I find myself thinking, seeing who drew what. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a funny thing. Do you so, were, are you old enough to remember when it used to come out in the paper? No. I don't think I don't think I was up here at that time. I think I came up in about two thousand two. I think. Yeah, back in the you know for a long time, it it came out in the paper. Like we had to wait for the paper to come out, and when the paper printed, it was like a pullout in the paper, and oh. every single person who drew his name, what they drew, the whole nine yards was down the line. Oh man! So you had to wait for a paper. Yeah. Oh geez, it, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that would be that'd be another. Yeah. Uh, Another reason for people to complain about the news miner now that they they charge for you to, you know, you have to get a subscription to re- read their articles online and just seeing the like the uproar, you know, people complaining because they'll post like a clickbait headline like some emergency thing and then you know, oh, but we we have to pay, we have to subscribe to to see this like super immediate relevant information. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they're struggling. I mean, newspapers are 
have become pretty antiquated. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, one of those things you can't really, on the one hand, you know, it's a business, they're producing the info, so you can't really blame them too bad, but it's just another kind of funny local thing. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying not, every yeah. year I try not to get excited and have any anticipation whatsoever, but uh, every year I get excited to be disappointed. <laughs> And it is such a wild process too. And it's, and it's everywhere, every state, but there's just, there's always a group of guys that never, ever, ever draw anything. Yep. And there's a group of guys that draw ridiculously great tags every single year. And yep. it's just, we're good luck and bad luck. You know, I'm somewhere in the middle once in a while, I'll, I'll hit a little streak while I'll draw a couple things and then I'll have a dry spell for a while. And then I'll draw a couple things. Yep. You know, I, I think, I think personally, I think it's just the way they draw the numbers. If they yep. if they draw your number early, all your tags get low numbers, and you're lucky. If they draw your name late, it's it, I think it kind of feasts your fam in the way they do it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's and it's fun. Also funny. I know I've talked about this before. All the conspiracy theorists, you know, like I'm on the lower end of the luck spectrum. Like I, you know, I, I I've dr- <laughs> I've drawn the first tag. I've drawn four tags. I think I've in. 17 years or so and granted like there's a couple years i probably didn't put in you know as many and and there are ways to maximize your odds for drawing something doesn't mean it's a great tag but something anyway i drew the north slope uh the hall road grizzly tag when it was a, a draw tag for the fall hunt i drew that the year that they opened it up to everybody so they're like here thanks have your five dollars back and uh oh funny yeah i drew i drew a goat tag and got a nice goat. I drew the DC 485 caribou tag once and ended up not even going down there. I went and killed one on a registration hunt. And then, uh, I drew the toke tag and that's, I think that's all the tags I've ever drawn, but whatever it's, it's, it's funny though. All the conspiracy theorists, like, you know, making the lists of the, my favorite one is all the, the fishing game employees and their bison tags, which I think the way they do it. So con- I can't say, I think it's a conspiracy because it's so, you know, complex. It's like really, they're going to rig, they rig that. But what do I know? You know? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I almost feel bad for the fishing game guys when they do draw a tag. Oh, and yeah. I know a couple of them and they, I know a couple of guys that have actually, drawn tags in areas that they kind of work and yep. you know for regional stuff like the guy lives say a guy lives in southeast where else is he going to draw a goat tag he's not gonna oh exactly you know that's put what your goat tag into chugach when he's yep. got the best goats in the world in his backyard then you draw the tag and you've done a survey and everybody's calling you out like that's tough that stinks yeah it you know, sucks I feel bad for those yeah. guys. that's kind of a tough move. yeah you know like it there you know it's in the same up here with tags or caribou tags or moose tags i mean even if they weren't doing the surveys they know the people that were like it's tough for those guys yeah 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 definitely i mean some things you know you know some guys could build a pretty a pretty intriguing conspiracy theory but at the same time i think a lot of that scrutiny i mean it's just like you if you work for fishing game and you ever draw anything good people are gonna are gonna scrutinize it yeah and it you know there's nothing wrong with a little scrutiny, but we got to cut on some slack too. Oh yeah, got to hunt too. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> they, they like to hunt just like all the rest of us. Well, in those, they, they take enough scrutiny for when we don't all fill our tags. Yeah, that's the truth, and they, you know, and and that's the kind of people we want as hunters. We want working at fishing game, you know, not guys that are that are doing shady stuff, obviously, but you know, people that love to hunt because there's 
probably a whole list of, of granola crunchers that are wanting to get into positions like that. And then other agencies, they do, they get into positions of control where they have some control over, over what we can do hunting well, and fishing. That's where we're at right now. And I, I've been saying this for a while and, and try not to be negative, And I certainly try not to say it in public. And I know this is public, but <laughs> it, I think it's probably mostly hunters listening to you, but that, that's how they're going to stop us. That's they're going to stop us with the paperwork and the permitting right now, every, you know, you want to talk a little bit about Asia right now in Asia, there's three countries where we hunt our golf, Mongolia, Tajikistan, and Kyrgyzstan. And there's a lot of confusion on how these sightings work and permits work. All the sightings and stuff comes from those countries. What Mm -hmm. we have, what Americans have to get is we have to get an import permit from the United States fish and wildlife service before we can bring the animal home. And in the old days, we, we have to apply by May 1st. We'd get those, typically by August, and then we'd bring the animals home with us. Yep. Well, now, the last couple of years, they, they've been kind of slow getting them out. Last year, we didn't get our ones for Kyrgyzstan until March. The other ones came out earlier. But as of right now, no Argali permits have been issued, and all those seasons are over, and all those rams are dead. Yeah. So everybody, all those rams we should have brought home with us are laying over there, and still nobody has a permit, and they've all been paid for. Yep, yep. You know? So yeah. it's kind of a crappy, crappy deal. Yeah. And, and that's I, what they're killing us. I mean, U.S. Fish and Wildlife has made it no secret that the, those permits are just not a priority for them right now. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, and it's, and, you know, we, we're we pretty fortunate so far here here in the state. I mean, it, it seems like those fish and game type agencies, you know, they attract people that love hunting and fishing and they attract people that don't want anything to do with their, don't want, don't want to allow it. And you see that with the federal, the feds, especially like, oh, I mean, the park service is the worst and, you know, U.S. Fish and Wildlife's a little better, but they've still got, you know, they've got some great people, but they've got their issues too. And, you know, it kind of goes on down the line. So yeah, it, I mean, a long way to go around to let's not, you know, be give undue scrutiny to undue scrutiny to some of the <laughs> the fish and wildlife guys that get lucky on the or the fish you fish and game guys that get lucky on the draw because because that's the kind of people we want working for us absolutely and we, and we do i think you know those guys are, and i you know i always talk about fishing game and feeling sorry for them on a couple of levels one for that and two they're always the first place in every state not just our poor state but every state when they start cutting budget that's the first place they cut it yep like those guys work on peanuts you know in our state yeah they got Pittman robertson but our state legislator controls that those pr funds and we don't use them and we send a bunch back huh you know and it's it's just a shame that's you know fishing fishing game budgets across the country are cut that's the first thing cut you know it's like a luxury and and i to some degree i would say the schools and the roads and some of that stuff is that's pretty dang important for all of us the fire departments police departments all those things are vital but you know it, it to, to a lot of us, the fishing game departments are vital too. Oh, absolutely! You know, so it's it's, 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 it come, it's a shame it comes to that. And they're working on a shoestring budget, and you know they got a lot of demands. Yeah, a lot of people wanting a lot of stuff. They don't have a yep. lot to work with. Sometimes. Oh, that's that's a, unfortunate. Yeah, that's the truth. But uh, yeah, speaking of Asia, that's one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about um, on uh, on the, on this episode. You've been you kind of finished up your trips for the winter over there, and I wanted to. You know, like, I guess the first thing is, uh, my first question is, you know, what all, what all hunts did you get on, you go over there? Cause you, you kind of work as a, as a booking agent, right? Or you help book hunts and then, and then go over there and make sure the guys have a good hunt and kind of 
get to go tag along and participate, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do both. I, I, my big thing is we, I host a lot of hunts, so I go with guys and that's what a lot of guys seem to want Yeah, is someone with them and fully understandable. They want to have a, you know, no, and my big thing is guys know what they're getting into because there's so much to do over in Asia. It's no, not much different than a doll sheep hunt here. A guy wants to go on a doll sheep hunt. Well, man, what, I mean, do you, do you want to be on a horse? You want to hike? Yep. You want to use a helicopter? You want to be, you want you know, do you really want to be in a super cub? And it's the same in Asia. You know, what do you really want? You, you want looking for the biggest animal and that's your number one priority. You're looking for adventure. Do you want to be on a horse? Do you not want to be on a horse? You know what? We have a million, a million different odds. What kind of shape are you in? I mean, we can kill yeah. a tur but what kind of shape are you in? You yeah. know, we started our, I guess we, you know, everybody asks my wife, what's the hunting season? And, and she tells him it's year round because yeah. it is <laughs> for us. Most of you know, we're, we're, we still got some hunts going right through March 31st in Turkey. We got some Ibex tags now. Uh, and June 1st, we'll start tour in Azerbaijan. You know, and we did that last yeah. year, we took a group over the end of May, started, started hunting season June 1st, uh, had, had some great luck, killed some great tour. Uh, and you know, and it's, it's all right. No matter how good you, you organize, coordinate, get all your stuff. There's always something. And we had, a, we had, you know, it's early season. So as soon as we got those animals caped, we, we sent them down to the village to get salted and treated. Yep. So we, they'd be taken care of somebody somewhere had a snafu, a communication snafu. And I got pictures of, of half of those for after they were caped, they were all caped behind the last rib, all caped perfectly get down to the village the day before we're leaving and we're wrapping everything up and they're putting these hides in a bag. And I'm looking at them like, those look awful small wadded up. Let's unwad those and look at them. And of course, all my hunters are standing there and I'm trying to, Yeah, I knew something was wrong right away, but I'm trying to maintain my composure yep. and they unwrap these. And I'm not kidding you, Tyler. They had the brisket, a piece of the brisket, like an inch wide was the full length, correct length that had been cut. Everything else had been trimmed off. Jeez. And I just lost it. Like, what in the F is all, what are you kidding me? Where, what is all this? And of course the translator came and they're like, well, this is how they taught us to do it. I'm like, who taught you to do it? Like, it, it's like a neck, it was for a neck mount. Like, you yeah. know, the Europeans love European mounts and the neck mounts. Yeah. They don't do full shoulders. A lot of them. And yeah. that's what it was for. He, he thought we were a European group and he cut all of our gorgeous capes down to neck mount. Oh man. And I absolutely lost it. Yeah. That's, you a... know, and it, it, it's all it takes, you know, oh, so, yeah. and I had to stand I had to get all new hides, take care of everything, figure it all out, you know. Yeah. Luckily, we had a couple other hunters that killed her that, that didn't want their hides. So I was able to get those hides. And I mean, I just, it was a lot of work to get them all, but got all the hides. Everybody's got their stuff now. Cost me some money. Yeah. But it, it's just Asia. It's how yeah. it works. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, and, and you that, gotta, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, that's like what, you know, what you're describing to be a reason to be so valuable to have you, have you, a guy like you along, you know if I was going on my first hunt over there, it would definitely be, be, I'd be a lot more comfortable, you know, going with someone who who's has a little bit of experience and dealing with the situations and just, uh, I mean, just not being by yourself. I mean, you know, go, that South Africa trip in October was my first real trip outside the country. And I mean, that was a, that was a cakewalk trip. And I'm still like, you know, it made me think of some of these going to some of these super remote and, and, you know, a lot of people would assume, assume sketchy places. I'm sure not accurately, but, uh, you know, boy, it would be like a great peace of mind and a lot more fun to go with someone you get along with that knows a little bit about what's going on and, and can help deal with that stuff on site. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot. It doesn't matter where you're traveling, right? When you travel, there's just a lot to it. And you want to, you want to be safe. You know, that's a big thing. Like, I just got back from Turkey. We were there in January. We happened to be in Turkey while the Iraq-Iran nonsense was happening. Oh. You know? And Syria-Iran and Iraq border Turkey right there. Yep. You know? And you're watching the news. And I'm, it was very interesting for me. I'm a little bit of a news geek. And I'm watching the news watching the Iranian reporters, what they're saying and watching my phone and what we're saying, trying to figure out what really happened, yeah. you know, somewhere in between. And, and, you know, it didn't get much press, but Putin was actually in Turkey while we were there. Cause he's trying to broker a ceasefire with Syria. You know, it's just kind yeah. of interesting being that part. We were in no danger. There was nothing happening, but I had a couple of young guys with me, you know, and one of them is a big, strong strapping lad. And he always wears a, a t-shirt and he, got a lot of ink on his arms and these guys got tactical rifles, you know, they're just custom like gunworks type rifles. Yep. But we, you know, here we got full gear and all these binoculars and spot and scopes and tactical <laughs> rifles at the airport. Yeah. And they're like, where are you guys going again? We're like, Oh, just out in the mountains. They're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, we're, we're, we're all square, all good. You know? So it's, it's, it's always something you just gotta, you, you gotta be patient and you gotta be persistent. Yeah. That's the, that's the key. Yeah. Now, uh, what all do you, so was it, was it tour stuff you were doing this winter or Marco Polo stuff or I want to hear a little bit about, about, well, um, started, about the trips you did. Well, we did tour starting June 1st yep. in 2019. And, you know, it's a, typically it's a five day hunt and we're all used to 10, 12 day hunts, but those are five day hunts. We, we rarely have weather issues, but over there they issue five day licenses. So you really oh. got a five day hunt. That's how it works. Gotcha. So that, that's kind of why you're limited to that. So you try to. You try to get in there the day before your hunt starts, so you got five full days of hunting. Mm-hmm. But in most of Asia, and the, the big attraction to Asia for most guys once they go is there's just so many animals everywhere you go. Yeah, there's there's just you're going to see a ton of game. I mean, everybody's heard about the Marco Polo hunt, seeing five hundred or a thousand sheep a day. You don't see that tur hunting, but you see a bunch. Wow, right? And that, the tur hunt, the tur hunt's been happening for a long time. It's fairly organized. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Um, Baku is a great city to get in and out of. It's easy. Uh, the drive out to camp is pretty, pretty non-eventful. So it's, it's, it's a neat, it's a really neat hunt and they're just awesome animals, right? They're just different than anything else on the planet. So they're super fun to hunt. And then we came home for a little bit and rolled into Kyrgyzstan in September for, I think we had 10 Ibex hunters, three different hunts. Uh, and this was a newer camp for us. They never really hunted Americans here before. They've only hunted Europeans which mm-hmm. presents a lot of problems for us. The Europeans typically shoot the first trophy they see, regardless of size. Yep. And they just like to shoot and they don't mind pushing, which is yeah. just how they hunt. You yep. know, you know, everybody's seen the videos and hard to start, you know, they do the pushes with the boars and you know, the Monterias in Spain where they push out all the red deer and yep. move on or whatever. And that's just typically Americans don't want to hunt that way. Americans want to stalk and Americans want to shoot an older, mature or a longer animal. They're not mm-hmm. going to just shoot any trophy and be happy. So we, so we saw, I was with the first group and we saw a ton of big Ibex. Those guys just weren't great at stalking them and we weren't great at getting coordinated. And we had our issues. We, we missed a giant, uh, one morning, one of the guys missed one that was, we're guessing somewhere between 55 and 57 inches. I mean, just a bomber and it ended up unfortunately shooting. They started to move away and on the second shot, he hit the one behind it and killed it, which was, you know, anywhere else would have been a, a fairly representative, decent animal, but we were in a place we had some special ibex, and so it was just a average one. Oh you know? man! But he, 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 he 
super positive guy, stayed positive, and I mean, they knew what we were getting into. I told them what that camp was about before we went, and everybody knew what we were getting into, and so they, we knew we, we had our chances. We saw what we had, but you know, he he came home with that one, and we shot another one the last day that was you know it was forty four, forty five inch ibex, which anywhere else is great or average. Yeah, it's just a little below average in that camp where we were at, you know, but still a good ibex. But both those guys are going to come back, and we're going to hunt bigger ones. Nice, you know, it's just. Yeah, it, it's you know it is what it is, and then same camp we hunt some Marco Polos down there, and there's there's some really good rams. Uh, I'm sure you probably saw Remy's picture with that ram he hunted with us. Yep, and his, you know his hunt typical. It, it just you know it you're just always going to have encounters. I mean, I won't give up his hunt because he he's got it all on video and yep. he's got a story to tell. But it's, he's going to do a good job of capturing the issues of hunting in Asia, and actually. The guys from the Mountain Project, Jay and Chase, hunted tur with us in June. Oh, cool! And they had a tough go in a couple of places, and they did a great job of documenting it. And I, I posted it on Facebook and put out, you know, these are two young tough guys. Jay and Chase are are young tough guys that can hunt. You know, this is their first Asia experience, but those guys, like, you can read the frustration on their face with what's going on. Yeah, you know, they stay they stayed persistent. They, you could tell in a couple places they lost their patience and that's fine. You got, you got to recompose yourself, but you know, uh, you have these, these expectations or these ideas going in and you know, you, they went on their own. I wasn't with them on the hunt and they did have an interpreter with them for a while, but it was, wasn't always there. And you always run into not having your guys. So it was, you know, it's, yep. you could, you can read and they did a good job of expressing it. They didn't try to hide it. They didn't, you know, they they did a good job of talking about what it was and you know the it's not easy it's, there's no gimmies it's not all daisies you know you're hunting and it's yeah. no, you know we have those problems at home it's just when we pay money and travel we get more frustrated about those problems when we shouldn't oh yeah we, you know what i mean it's no different than having a flat on your four wheeler at home or you know waiting on a plane at home or whatever issues we have right here at home or in, anyone who's done any sheep hunting here in Alaska you know you or me and stuff we have to deal with on a uh on a, on a pretty regular basis, some of the frustrations and, you know, I mean, even though it, it's just magnified when you're on the other side of the planet, I'm sure. It is. It's magnified when, when you have a hard time communicating with people because you don't speak the same language. And it is. It kind of, you're halfway around the world and you've paid money and you've taken a lot of time and some long flights to get there. Everything is magnified, you know, and that's why we do our best to, to make sure guys are successful, but that they're having a fun, you know, have a, have a fun hunt, have a good time, you know, and we went... Let's see, we rolled rolled right through Kyrgyzstan into October in sheep and Ibex hunters and, you know, did fairly well. A uh, couple guys into October. Trying to remember, we had a couple goat hunters in B.C. in November and some, you know, we had sheep hunters here in Alaska hunting with some guys, you know, these are all of our core members. Yeah. You know, the Captivated Outdoors core members that are that are hunting. So we, we hook those guys up with hunt. We try not to book. We don't book a lot of hunts in North America because most of our stuff's Asia, but all of our members, you know, when they're looking for doll sheep or moose or goats or whatever, we take care of them for all that stuff. Yeah, you guys, uh, will, you guys will help but, them out. Yeah, but I won't bore you with that. That's all stuff you know way too much about. <laughs> no, that's all. That's all. There's always more uh, to in learn. In December, man. we rolled into yeah. Tajikistan. <laughs> well, that's that's for the for the guys that are good. That's what they're doing, learning every day. Yep. Right. Never, <laughs> never quit learning. Yep. Ever. Or paying attention, at least. We, yeah. we rolled into uh, Tajikistan in December, had a couple of guys, and one of them took his son, 
and he ended up having one of those trips of a lifetime. He's a guy we sent to Azerbaijan a couple years ago and killed a, it's funny. He called me right after he shot from his sat phone and said, I told, I did exactly what you told me not to do. And I was like, Oh yeah, what? He said, I, I shot, I shot the broomed one. And he, he's a guy <laughs> from Alberta, you know, loves the hunt big horns, loves those big, heavy broomed off rams. And they got up, they were 60 yards from a herd of, of good males. And of course, all the guys wanted to shoot the long one. They had a really good long animal in that herd, but there was a big giant broomed off one. And it was broomed on both sides. And it looked like, you know, it was, it was Dagestan turret, kind of looked like upside down big horns. Yeah. And that's what it looked like. So he, he just shot that one. And the guys were all mad. He shot at the wrong one. Well, to him, he didn't shoot the wrong one. Oh, yeah. I don't care which one you shoot, as long as you're happy. Yeah. And he knew exactly what he was getting into, you know, but everybody there was kind of mad. He'd shot the wrong one and he was super excited because he loved the one he shot. I'm like, but as long as you're happy, I'm happy, right? That's that's what it's all about. Oh, yeah. Well, but he's one of those guys. Like, he, he's got a horseshoe. He got to Tajikistan and Tajikistan and shot a 61 and a half inch Marco. Geez. Just a boomer. Had both both tips and both tips are pointing to the ground, you know? Yeah, like, man. It's just one of those magic rams. I say I, he, I say I know, but I don't really, really nice know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you've seen the pictures. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. You know what? You can <laughs> I can imagine. You can imagine. But I tell you, I mean, for guys, and that's the thing, everybody everybody wants to shoot a Marco Polo, and I certainly understand that. And, you know, and then it's always the argument between Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. And, you know, they're both just phenomenal hunts. Like, I mean, it, you got, if you go on one, you're going to want to go on the other because yeah. they're just diametrically opposed as to how they're operated, what happens, how it works. Like, they're just both two total different adventures no doubt the biggest sheep live in tajikistan there's no arguing that but there's very good mature sheep in kyrgyzstan and some awesome rams to be had they're just different species different animal but they're both just fantastic adventures oh I man mean, you got to go on both yeah I you can... know that's that's the crap of it yeah that's just the truth yeah i can understand that man and it was funny you're saying about the broomed one uh I could kind of sympathize with that. You know, I mean, I like broom cheap. You like broom cheap. But, uh, when, when I was in South Africa, we, uh, I, I told the, I told, looking at the price list, I told the guys, well, if we, and my taxidermist wanted a, an Impala Cape, he had, had one that he was trying to mount that bugs had got in the Cape during the shipping process or something and the Cape was wrecked. But so I, I told, him, I was like, man, if we, if we see a, an Impala with a busted horn or something, you know, I'd, love to shoot that because it was cheap it was like 200 bucks or something and uh so uh sure enough we uh he finds one and i shoot it and it's a nice you know not not exceptionally big or whatever but i you know what do i know about them but it's a nice like pretty compared to other ones pretty heavy with like four inches busted off one side and and that night at dinner one of the phs was gone you know so it's a you know who fucked up and shot that and shot that Impala you know, or that Ram, you know, I was like, who would want to shoot that thing? And I'm like, no, actually, no, we did that on purpose. Oh, funny. But yeah, so that was, that was, that was kind of, you know, it, a lot of it's in the eye of the beholder. So yeah, I don't blame the guy. If he sees a big old busted up tur that he wants to shoot, I, I might want to do the same thing. Who knows? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every hunt we're on, I'm, I, you know, Mexico or other places where there's places where you have multiple tags and I have hunters, I'm like, you know, we're hunting along and we find a one horned ram. Like if you got an extra tag, I'll shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that's going to be a discounted ram. Oh yeah. Ram and nobody wants to feed that thing. And the guys, 
the guys paying big money don't want to shoot them. Yeah. Like, let's get them out of the way. I'll shoot them. You yeah. know, I I have no problem with the one horned ones. They yeah. got a story to tell. Yep. Someday I'd love to you shoot. Know? I'd love to shoot a one horned doll. That yeah. That boy, I've you know the that the social media can be a pain sometimes, but I'll tell you what the, the fact the exposure we all get to more pictures and access to pictures and stories. It's neat seeing some of these rams out there. You know, a guy just you know you see him in the lodges when you're driving the highways or you know. If you're lucky, you know a few people and see some pictures, but it's pretty cool seeing all these pictures. Oh yeah, you know, for seeing sure. all these these walk headed rams or you know these that big stone from a couple of years ago that both of them grew right back into his eyes or yeah, you know there there's some neat things out there. Yeah, no kidding, man. Yeah, I think you know I remember one hunt where we ran into the out. We were back came back to camp and we ran in. We both had tipped rams and ran into the outfitter and and his clients were got a. a older guy and his wife and they had shot nice broomed rams and they were looking at you know like oh these are what you know looking at ours being like and they ours weren't ours were nice rams but they weren't exceptional they're like oh these are you know that's the kind of rams we really wanted to get or whatever I'm like well why didn't you shoot a man I mean, there's there's nothing long wrong with your rant you're sh- shooting a 10 11 year old like heavy broomed ram you know a lot some people that's just not their thing apparently well, and, and I can understand that. Like, if a guy's coming on a sheep hunt from out of state, yeah, and he wants to kill one sheep, I mean, I died. Ideally, sheep is you know a ram that's got both tips, and you know, I get that yep. to some extent. I think I think you probably just my opinion. You have to either live in bighorn country or have killed a few thin horns to really appreciate the broomed ones. Yeah, that's the true. You start start looking for the different, you know, left horn broken, right horn broken both or you know different characteristics that i think you're neat once you start collecting a few of them and that's that's part of the problem not part of the problem but part of the issue in asia too same thing guys most guys are only going to shoot you know 90 percent of guys are only going to shoot one marco polo their whole life yeah and you get there and first problem is they all look big right yeah like a any guy that's ever been sheep hunting in, in North America, the first time he sees one in binoculars or a spot and scope, it looks like it's got a UFO on its head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it like they all look big. So first we got to get over that. And then second, you know, there's, there's some of those that have broken horns or whatever, like, but a guy's paying thirty forty thousand $40,000 for a sheep. He, he might want both tips. Yep. And I certainly understand that. So you you got to take your time and, and pick the one you want. And then when all, when all else is said and done, you got to make him dead because if you don't, they're going to bring you on, and it might not be that one. Yeah, but <laughs> so, you got to do your job and, and make him dead right there, so you can keep your eye on him the whole time. Yeah, no, and that's that's a whole other dynamic. But, and, that, and our guys in Tajik did that. Yeah, well, as you say, that it is. It's a scary, and all the stories everybody's heard are true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's uh, yeah. I mean, which you know, and that's. I was going to ask you too, is there any, like, you know, the Cape, the Cape one's a bad enough story, but do you have any, I mean, not necessarily bad stories, but just crazy happenings over there that you probably, people probably would, you wouldn't have believed if they had, if you hadn't have been there and seen it. Oh yeah. I mean, every hunt, it's just, (laughs) you know, so, you know, you guys end up, guys end up on the mountain with, with no food or no gas or. No, and those guys don't drink water. They're huh. all camels in that part of the world. Like they don't drink water. So all of us, they don't give water a second thought. So we're all looking for water all the time. Yeah, which is part of a problem. And those guys don't snack like we snack. Like they eat a couple of meals a day, but 
they don't snack in between. So I tell, I always make sure everybody brings stuff and I always bring tons and I'm stuffing people's pockets full of keep these in your pocket because we'll ride a horse for eight hours without stopping oh wow and we're just not used to that we yeah we want to eat something or drink something so you better keep it close we keep the water bottles in the saddlebag close to your get some candy bars in your pocket so you can eat and they don't have to be stopping for you you yeah. know and you can just keep up you know but you have to be prepared you know how those guys are but it's i mean it's always something that you know ruining a cape or um like I, guys always have to shoot their guns before the hunt. And there's always somebody in camp, one of those guys that is a little bit familiar with guns. And while you're up there shooting, they'll be twisting your caps off, trying to adjust your scope or something Yeah, like that always creates a nightmare. You know, and of course yep. guys, 99% of guys don't want anybody touching their gun. Yeah. So that turns into a nightmare real quick. Sometimes, uh, traveling with guns is always an issue. Everybody, you know, we've had, you know, great luck, but it's all, you know, we go to great measures to make sure it's smooth. Yeah. It seems like uh, yeah. Ho- horse wrecks. Lots of guys aren't familiar with riding horses. So we have lots of horse wrecks wow. or guys that are timid on the horse and a horse is an animal like any other animal. They can feel it when you're timid on the horse. A lot of times it doesn't go well. Yeah. That would be me. probably. You know? <laughs> so we all- well, and that happens, right? Yeah. We had a guy that actually this year in Kyrgyzstan had two, two big wrecks during the course of the hunt and he was actually good on the horse. Oh, he just had a rough horse horse had a couple bad steps, you know, and the tack there is horrible. The saddles are horrible. You know, there's no, there's no sugar coat in that. The saddles are horrible. They, you know, they don't have breast collars. Like they just wrap a belly band around and off we go, Interesting. you know, and, it, and you're on a, a metal. It looks almost like, uh, one inch EMT piping or something that they've formed into the shape of a saddle they throw a couple blankets on it and off we go oh geez bring your you bring know, your like it's, bring it's, your butt paste on <laughs> yeah it, it can be a pretty rough go on that you know and, and when you get home when you're there it's you know it's almost laughable when you jump on it and your butt's gonna hurt from riding it and when you get home it's a great story and it's always a fun picture to show people yeah. but it's not a ton of fun riding those horses for 10 or 12 hours at a time no i can imagine <laughs> i'd rather walk sometimes <laughs> probably <laughs> Absolutely. And when you get off to walk up or down a hill, you're thankful for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, but it is part of the adventure. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so, and it's, it's amazing how that, those things haven't changed in that part of the world in, in eons. And I mean, it's the same kind of stuff they've been using for 60 years. Yeah. No. And I think, uh, I don't know. I like, I'd like to imagine, or I imagine it would probably be something similar to, I mean, obviously completely different hunting than, than, all, all I have to compare it to is when I went to went got to go to Africa last year. Um, the I, I would assume that like the thinking about the logistics and the travel and all that stuff probably keeps a lot of people from wanting to do that. But I imagine that it's one of those things that once you finally get through all of it and you're there, it's it's probably I, I would imagine it's super cool or people would not want to do it. Exactly, exactly right. And and there's always, of course. I'd rather go to almost any of the stand countries right now in South Africa because South Africa is a little scary with what they got going on. You got to have the right outfitter and make sure you got your stuff together from the airport on. Yeah. Uh, The stand countries are all, I mean, we, we go to Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Pakistan, like all everywhere, but Afghanistan, right. Hunting. Yep. And those it's, it's all safe. It's all good. And I, you know, I got lots of guys that want to go and they always either their wife, you know, typically like at the shows and I missed them all this year because I was in Turkey. Yeah. But the, uh, the wives always come to the booth. Like my husband's not going to a stand country 
And it's like, you know, I get, I totally get that. Appreciate you're worried about them, but I got a wife and two kids that I dearly love and we're, we're not going over there to, to prove we're somewhere we're not supposed to be. We're just going to hunt and come yeah. home. Like if it's not safe, I ain't going either. Yeah. You no, know, it's, it's totally safe. We, I've never, ever, ever had an issue. I mean, we've had way more issues in Mexico than any of the standard countries. Yeah. I would believe you know, that. And even there, even there, I'd go to Mexico tomorrow. It's just who you go with and where you're going. Yeah. You know, our, ironically, our favorite airport, Chicago, we've had the best luck with it, but I don't leave the airport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't want to be in Chicago because I don't know Chicago and I'll end up in the wrong place and end up dead. Yeah. You know that. Well, and, and it's funny because the there's place I'm not supposed to be it's the same in those other countries. Yeah. You know, you, you think about that, like, you know, going to South Africa, my experience there was fantastic, but I could see that if a lonely, you know, lonely, you know, a lonely white boy found his way into the wrong spot, you could get yourself into some trouble, but that's, you know, plenty of places in the United States that you could, you know, you could say the same thing. Oh, hundred uh, percent. You know, I mean, shoot, you could probably say that. Well, we know we could say it for Anchorage. You could probably say it for Fairbanks. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's you know, certainly it, some some spots you know, that it, if you're free, you know, you, you're you're frequently hanging around these spots in Fairbanks, you're probably up to no good. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, and that's everywhere. So in those stand countries, we we have great partners. We've never ever ever had an issue. And I have, I like to go. You know, we I like to explore too. So we're, we like go to lots of new places and. And I tell guys, and when we go, we put the groups together. I tell guys, this is going to be my first time here. I've done my homework. I've done the research. I think we're in great shape. That was well, turkey hunt. It was just in January. Yeah. It was our first time with this outfitter. I had a couple hunters. We went, you know, you talk about three, three or four guys. We had three hunters total, and they all three had totally different hunts, right? And, yeah. And we hunted out of the same camp. And turkey, it, every one of these countries is different. Turkey, they don't camp much, like in tents. Mm-hmm. They, there's villages all over. You stay in the hotels in the villages. You're eating in restaurants every night, and you're driving out to the mountains every morning. Interesting. You know, and there's always typically a village, typically a village within a half an hour of where you're hunting. So it's not horrible long drives or anything. Yeah, you know, it's a lot like maybe hunting out of a lodge for mule deer or elk or something. Yeah, you know, something similar to that. So, and we we drive out in the morning. Well, one guy. One guy was able to find a really nice Ibex and watched it for a couple of days. Had some, we had some horrible, horrible rain and snow for two days, shut us down almost completely, but he was able to keep eyes on his Ibex. Yeah. He got one spotted and was able to keep it, keep an eye on it. And then the closest he could get, and it was in a miserable spot with 600 yards and he ended up making the shot. And this guy that practiced shooting those kinds of distances regularly, he shot at it three times and hit it twice. Like it was legit. Nice. Nice. One of the other, other guys was 600 yards from an Ibex and was in a kind of, I guess, was in a kind of a bad spot and couldn't get a rest, mm-hmm. refused to take the shot, kind of had some word with the guides. The guides called back to the outfitter. The hunter said, no, I just, I'm just not comfortable making that shot. So they said, okay, we'll come back tomorrow in a different way. And the guides got to thinking and thought they didn't want to climb that mountain again tomorrow. So they went ahead and made the stock and that hunter ended up killing that Ibex at 90 yards. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. No, that's cool you to know, hear. So he he stopped. Yeah, he stuck to his gun. Yep. And that's what a lot of guys got to learn over there. It's tough because all these guides now across Asia and Europe have seen all these fancy guns. And they've seen lots of guys shoot five, 600 yards. Yep. So when you show up, you better not tell them you can shoot that far or that's where they're going to stop. And they're going to expect you to make that shot. Yep. And they don't care about rest and wind conditions and all that. All they know is that 600 yards. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. And, 
And you said you could shoot that far. Well, <laughs> I could shoot that far from a perfect prone rest, you know, with no wind. And they're like, no, no, that's, that's not. That's not what you told me. You said 600 yards where 600 yards start shooting. <laughs> yeah. No, that's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you different. got to be careful. And the, the third hunter, the third hunter's hunted with me a bunch too. And he tough as nails. Great guy. Great shot. We all shot. They all shot their rifles before the hunt, you know, so out to 250 yards, right? Mm-hmm. After we got there. So with this guy, he hunted all week, saw a couple good billies, turned a couple down. Next to last day, missed one at 248 yards, straight, straight downhill, feet dangling over a cliff. Tough, tough, tough shot, tough rest. We And no one saw the bullet where it hit, so we thought he shot over it. Yeah. You know, that's the natural assumption, right? Yep. He, he made a clean miss. I dex boogied. Okay, he probably shot over it. You know, straight downhill. Like, it was a tough, tough shot. Didn't think anything about the gun. Just thought, okay, he shot over it. Next day, had a great shot, 170 yards. You know, just, I mean, almost on the same level, shooting across the canyon. Missed it by four feet. Oh, man. He thought he killed it when he shot. Yeah. He thought he killed it. He thought it was dead. He was just laying there, like, waiting for it to fall down. And everybody's yelling, shoot, 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 because everybody else saw that he missed. He thought he killed it. He was solid as a rock. Oh, man. So he's, he's like, okay. So, and Ibex just stood there, so he shot again. Same thing. Missed it four feet to the right. And the Ibex boogied that time. And he's like, what's going on? That thing's dead. And we're like, no, oh, you missed it four feet to the right. And that was the last day. Oh, geez. So and the outfitter begged him to stay. And we had long talks. And I I got some options for changing tickets and all that. He's got young kids. It was just all best for him to come home. So he came home. He was home for a couple of days, got his work figured out, went out to wherever he shoots and shot and wasn't on paper at 100 yards. Oh, and we don't know, man. he was pretty frustrated, so he hasn't checked his gun yet, but I don't know if it was a loose scope or if the scope got banged or if, no one really knows what happened yet, but that's just one of those horrible, like there was a couple other rifles in camp. The outfitter had a rifle. Like we had other options if we knew it was the rifle. Yeah. We just thought he missed the first day. Yeah. You know, and come to find out it's the rifle with a, a total heartbreaker. Yeah. No, and that's, yeah. So, that- and that happened. Yeah, that's a that's a a big deal. I mean, it, in our our camp in South Africa, it was funny. Some of the there was quite a few complaints about about the rifles, which you know all the mostly you know European folks, and there was some there was some flailing I think going on, and a lot of complaining about the rifles and trips to the range. And I, I didn't I I I didn't touch my rifle. My rifle was laying shit down pretty good, but I can see the. You know, if you miss a shot that you don't think you should have missed, at least go check. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? He, we, that was a thing. Like if that, if 250 yards map has killed a ton of game, like he should have, he, he would have never missed that, but it was a horrible angle and he yep. had a horrible rest. Yep. But he felt like he could make the shot. So he tried it. But when he missed it, it didn't like, it wasn't like raise a, the red flag. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's no. a, boy, yeah, that's he, a bummer. <laughs> he would have never taken a shot if he didn't think he could make it. Like oh, he, totally. You know what I mean? But it's a total bummer to not know it was a, it was the gun. And it, like you say, when, when you're halfway around the world and you paid a little money, it's all magnified. Oh, big time. Yep. You know, but, but this comes right back to, he, he worked his whole butt off all week for the whole hunt. He worked his butt off. He never complained. He never blamed the guides. And when you work with a good outfitter, we have a good outfitter over there. The outfitter said, you can stay, you can stay until you kill. We can, 
you know, we'll issue another yeah. hunting permit, come back. You have till March 31st into the season to come back. Like I'll do anything I can to help you kill this Ibex. Yeah. Like, you know, no, then that's, so, that's nice to see too. Yeah. You got to stay positive. Yep. Yeah. But you just got to, you got to work with good guys and, and there's tons of great outfitters out there. You got, but you got to work with good outfitters and you got to stay positive. You stay positive and they're going to stay positive and work with you. If he would have started blaming the guides or blaming somebody, then you get yourself uninvited. Yep. Totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, you got, when they're, when they're not doing something right, you got to call them on it. But at the same time, when, when something isn't going your way, it's not necessarily anybody else's fault. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, anyone, even with all the, the outfitted hunts that go on here, anybody's had anything to do, to do with them, whether it's being a packer or being an assistant guide or anything like that, you kind of totally under, I think, you know, anybody that's worked in that capacity can kind of understand that because you get, you know, you get and everyone wants to see like a hunter with a positive attitude succeed, you know, and someone that's, that's, just a genuinely yeah. nice person yeah. succeed, you know, it's, you don't care, you know, you kind of, you're more willing to let, let what happens happens with, with a guy that's just an asshole, you know, and you, you know, just feels like they're entitled to everything. But yeah, I can sympathize with that, man. I mean, you, you want those guys that, that are really working for it and being positive to succeed. Yeah. And that, see, that's the tough part too. Like a, a guy comes, a guy comes into your shop and drops off a wolf to skin or something or, you know, a guy comes to me and wants to buy some gear and they're a total jerk. You know, you, you deal with him for a little bit when yeah. a guy comes to camp and he's going to live in the tent with you for 10 days and you got to cook food for him yeah. or you, you got to hold their hand for 10 days. That's a total different experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's like, that's, that's a, that's big time. <laughs> it is. It, and it's tough. I mean, I know for everybody, half these guys, you know, everybody's jacked up and you have these, giant expectations and you know nobody sleeps on the plane or they show up tired and jet lagged so you're already in half-ass mood yeah you know so it's it you, you know i always talk about the three p's stay positive be persistent and be patient because things are going to mess up you got to be patient in that part of the world and obviously the other two are just self-explanatory yeah you got to be persistent and never give up and you got to just stay positive and we've all been on those hunts it's yep. been miserable i don't care if it's here in alaska or montana or wherever it's been miserable the whole hunt and then the last minute of the last day the trophy of your lifetime standing there well if you're not paying attention and you're not willing to, to take advantage of an opportunity you're not going to get it yep no it's that's happened you know? that's happened you, enough you, you times that's happened enough times to everybody. I'm not trying to interrupt Mike. There's a little bit of delay, um, but that's happened to every, all of us enough times that it it's it's absolutely true. You know, I mean, I mean, there's been so many buzzer beaters that I can think of that if I had mentally checked out and I wanted to check out, you know, but if I had gone ahead and just given up, I probably wouldn't have probably wouldn't have come together for me. And I, you know, everybody maybe not everybody, but a lot of people have those experiences. So I can, I can definitely vouch for that. Oh, hundred percent. Like you say, everybody. And it, that's the part to me. Sometimes it gets frustrating over there is I've hunted with guys here, or know them from here. And they are the kind of guys you think will be successful over there. And something about the language barrier or the travel or being halfway around the world or writing the check has affected them. And they get over there and they, you know, if it's not going good by, by the second day, they're tripping out. Yeah. It's like, look, man, we got a 10 day hunt. Yeah. You, you've traveled halfway around the world to take one shot. Let's take our time and make this thing count. Oh you know, yeah. Don't give up on me on day two. 
Oh yeah, that's managing expectations and just you know realizing that you know I I think it'd be anybody could could with all that extra pressure and and factors considered you know you could have you could pretty easily get yourself into into freaking out if you're not seeing anything by day two but if you just remind yourself that hey on a sheep hunt maybe you're still walking to to the area you're trying to hunt on day two you know like you know you can go you know how many times have you been on a doll sheep hunt where you don't see a ram you want to go after for seven or eight days. Oh yeah, a- absolutely. You know, or you know, because I hunt with my muzzleloader. That's yeah. It, I see them all the time. Or either in spots I can't stalk them, or you know, I have to wait on them, or I get within three hundred yards, but I can't make that shot. And you yeah. know, it's yeah, it's a different world. It's it, yeah, you, you got to just well, and conversely. Like the Brooks Range, we talked about this ad nauseum. You and I, you know, when the Brooks Range was good, it was fun because you were there was such a thing as passing rams. Yeah, you know, because you didn't want to shoot young ones, not yep. necessarily size, but you didn't want to shoot eight year olds because you knew there was ten and twelve year olds running around. Yep, you know, and it's fun to shoot the older rams. That's I mean, that's kind of we all get some satisfaction out of shooting those older rams, especially when there's lots of sheep around. Oh yeah, for you sure. You know, and that's kind of how Asia is. Yeah, Asia, it's so much of Asia, and that. That's why with all the horror stories you hear and with all the ups and downs and issues, it's for one thing, it's just cool to see that many animals because mm-hmm. it's kind of like Africa in that sense of you're not going to see a big diversity of animals in Asia, but you're primarily, you're going to see a ton of your target animal Interesting. almost on every hunt. You know, wow. there's just, a, I mean, I don't know if it's Tur or Ibex or Marco Polo sheep or, you know, what you're at, brown bears, you know, the one hunt, the one I will say you might not see. A boatload of animals that would be a lot more akin to home would be like hunting snow sheep in Kamchat. Yeah, it seems like yeah. I've heard that. Especially if you're not on the first one. It, yeah, yeah there, there's not a boatload of animals in those mountains. I mean, there, it's not high animal densities. It's uh, it's maybe a lot like the walk-in area. Yeah. Uh, around Tonsina. You know, there's some great ones around, but they're not behind every bush or every rock. Like, you got to hunt. Yeah. No, that makes that makes total sense. And, yeah, I could see you that know, being... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I no, didn't mean no, to interrupt no. you either. Ed. No problem. We got a little delay. That, that's one of those things. If a guy knows what he's getting into and he knows, okay, we're going to be some low sheep densities. Like what are my expectations? What am I willing to shoot? I'm going to have to work to, to maybe find some of these sheep. They're okay. But if they expect to fly over there and see 30 Rams the first two days, it just ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could, I could definitely see that. I mean, it was, and granted, you know, different situation, but you know, they're got, got on the ground there in South Africa. That was the thing that blew me away. I'm like, there is so many animals. It's like that boondock saints, like we could kill everything. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the truth. South Africa. Well, you can see, you can certainly see how it gets in people's blood. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. It's a total adventure by itself. And just the, the, the sheer diversity of animals is just all, I mean, just go to the park. You ain't got to hunt. Go to the park and look at all the animals. Yep. It's just, there's no place else on earth like that. It's just a neat deal. Yep. But then to get to hunt them, you know, and, and then of course passing and picking and, and you learn a lot in Africa about not just judging animals, about telling male from female. Yep. And then telling which one, you know, what, what's an adult look like there, you know, yeah. there's a lot to learn there. That's a, that's a really, really great experience. I think everybody should go to Africa. Well, that's half the fun of it is just learning about all these new animals and like, 
judging tips and what do they, you know, I'm sure I was annoying the shit out of my pH because I just rode up in the front of the truck with him asking 10 questions a minute, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and most of those guys, you know, they love it because those pHs, and I mean, not other countries aren't as good, but those pHs go to a lot of school and they, you know, they learn the flora, the fauna, the, the history. Like those guys are educated. Yeah. They're, they're you know, we've, we've been, my wife and I have been to, south africa a couple times and it was always fun to talk to to phs because they just kind of got their shit together yeah no it was it was it was a lot of fun i mean i i i can't wait to go back and there it i did for for not having any interest really in it at all before i went now i'm like there's about 15 different things i can think of off the top of my head that i would love to do over there in the same place that i could do right in the same place you know methods of hunting you know hunting targeting different animals and stuff like that you know like i think it'd be a hoot oh yeah i think it'd be a hoot just to hunt baboons (laughs) well i'm sure you were daydreaming all day about having your struggle stick over there oh yeah there's nothing better than having having your bow in a target rich environment yeah, I mean, on on half on several of the stocks, I, I was told the pH is like, man, this would be great for hunting with a bow, you know. And he and he 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 bow hunts some too, so he he was right there in it. Like, you know, it'd be fun to go shoot, you know, go shoot a bush pig on a bait at night, and you know, stuff like that. There's just so much cool stuff. And yeah, every time I went, like, seeing you were talking about the the Impalos with the broken horns before. One of the times we were there. And it's, it's always different every time you're there, depending on what weather they've had or what they've been through, yep. but they had a, a big dry spell and a bunch of the warthogs had broken tusks. Yeah. And he said, you know, a lot of people wouldn't shoot them. I said, I'll shoot them. He said, well, I'll give you a huge discount if you shoot the warthogs with broken tusks. And about halfway <laughs> through the hunt, he called me and said, you can stop shooting warthogs now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll shoot, I'll shoot every single warthog I see with a broken tusk. Like, you know, we, we shot a pile of them. They were, it was a blast. Oh, and was... I would love to hunt a bush pig at night. Oh you know? yeah. Like that's. Those bush pigs are neat. Yeah, they're cool animals. He had a couple captive ones that he had caught. Uh, the The PHI was hunting with was the the owner of the place's son, and has you know, lived there his whole life. So he he had had a couple bush pigs he'd caught when they were piglets and raised them, and they're a pretty cool looking critter. Um, but man, even yeah, it's it similar like with the baboons on our package. It was towards the end of the season, and they needed to kill some baboons to kind of keep them the more you shoot at them the more they'll the the longer they'll stay out of camp during the off season um they have big problems with them i guess getting into camp and tearing stuff up and anyway they uh so so it was free baboons for us and i shot three the first day and i mean i think yeah that's all i ended up killing i I missed several of them but they're on the run at like 500 yards but they're you know one of the guys made a comment like yeah you know those things are normally like 600 bucks a piece (laughs) Sorry, I oh. had a polar bear walk in front of the dish. Oh, you did, huh? <laughs> Must have. I don't know. Oh, That's, we got cut off. Sorry about that. No, or yeah, it could be me too on my end too. I thought I thought you were serious. I was like, oh man. Although that does happen, and and you know, probably a good a good segue into living it living in Barrow. You know, you hear all this bullshit about oh, you know, all the polar bears are endangered and all that. I I, I gather that that's not exactly true. Oh, and I think, I think every time that comes up, you know, especially like on social media, people have done a good job of, of finding the other 
side of that, those, those claims, yeah. we've got more polar bears than we've ever had. I, I also think, you know, obviously with technology, we have way better research nowadays. I mean, 30 years ago, they didn't have the ability to look for bears the way we do nowadays, Yeah, but there, there's in every instance or everything, you know, the polar bears are as healthy and more polar bears than they've ever known. We've ever had every, yeah. you know, that's from Russia all the way across Canada. They do way more research in Canada on yeah. them, but they're it's obviously they're the same bears. Oh yeah. You know, and they're, they're in fine shape. We got, we've had quite a few in town this year. You know, it, it happens. Yeah. Do you they, know, do they, around. do they usually get shot whenever they get come into town? I mean, I, I wouldn't see why not. Um, it depends. You know, the, the ones, the last couple in town, it was a, a sow with some younger cubs. Yeah. And nobody really messes with the younger cubs. Yeah. You know, if they're big, mature cubs, they'll get shot sometimes, but the, the younger cubs and the sows don't, you know, there's kind of hands off policy. Yeah. So they didn't get messed with. They, she ended up finding a dumpster. Oh. And unfortunately, unfortunately, they've had to work really hard to run her out of town. Yeah. Because she, you know, every people don't realize how lazy animals are. All animals. And if you know, I don't care what color the bear is, black, brown, or white. If it finds a dumpster, until you make it not like that dumpster anymore, it's going to hang out. Well, and especially, especially you know, they, sows with young cubs that, you know, they've got to worry about feeding. I mean, they, they've got to work extra hard to feed those cubs, to feed their cubs. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, you know, she's, she's been a pain, but there's been other bears in town and we had some, some crappy ice issues earlier in the winter. I mean, we got tons of ice now and, you know, the bears can travel more. Typically when we have real good ice, we don't see a lot, a lot of bears cause they can travel. Yeah. We see them traveling through, but they don't hang out in town. Yeah. You know, but we see lots of bears coming through. I just saw, I saw a huge boar track the other day out the road, you know, came through. And a lot of times nice. these guys, you know, the, the subsistence hunters don't shoot the, the big, big boars because their, their hair's yellowish. You know, it's, oh, it, yeah. it doesn't make for, doesn't make great, doesn't make for great artwork or great clothing because it's kind of a tinted, dirty looking color. Yeah. It's not white. Yeah. So, no, so they don't get, they don't get, of course, the younger bears taste better too. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what they. I've heard yeah. that they'll they'll eat those, but it's the, isn't it the liver's poisonous, or people can't eat the liver? Yeah, there's something about that. And of course, they're they're just like a pig, you know, a black bear's pig, the trichinosis. Yeah, you, you know, the one fear is you got to cook it enough to make sure. You know, I've I don't I haven't heard or see much about the trichinosis around here, but it's certainly there's a lot of talk about it. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I'd, I'd be interested to see the stats of how many people have actually been diagnosed with it or had a problem. I actually saw on the news the other day, a guy died. Boy, was he in Fairbanks? A guy died of botulism the other day. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yes. Uh, somewhere, boy, might've been rural Alaska. For some reason, I was thinking on the top of my head, it was Fairbanks, but I did see it opened a can of salmon and canned himself. And, you know, Maybe maybe he didn't die. Maybe he just got super sick. I don't know. Either way, he was somebody was super sick. They Jeez. said that when he'd opened the can, it didn't smell good, but he ate it anyway. Oh, so I don't know if you know it, it didn't smell that bad, or he thought it just was maybe a little bad, but ate it and got some botulism. I haven't heard about that in a long time. No, boy, that's, that's you know I can a bunch of stuff here, but I I never give it away for just that reason. Yeah, my luck. The one I give away will be the one that'll make somebody sick. Yeah, when you know, and you, if you when you are used to, you know, I don't. I say this 
I'm not, I don't can shit, but my wife has canned a bunch of stuff and her family cans a lot of stuff. When you're doing that, you know what to look for. And, you know, that's why it's safe to do it yourself because, you know, you know, if a, if a lid's popped or, or it doesn't, something's just not right or the way it's settled in the jar isn't right, then, you know, you just pitch it. But, uh, someone, yep. someone unknowing and- like me would just probably scarf it down and die. Well, and you got to you got to kind of pay attention when you you know if if you open it, it doesn't, I mean there's a right and a wrong yeah you know, yeah even even for salmon you know yep. salmon how that what you take it out of the freezer it's one thing to be a little bit freezer burnt it's a whole other thing to be bad yeah yeah oh totally you know you, you, most of the time you can, you can tell that and same with the smoked salmon like we love making that stuff I I'm real leery about taking it from other people and I certainly hate. You know, I'll share it with certain people. I just, you know, it's all, you got to be careful. Yeah. Know, there's always a chance that something's bad or going to make somebody sick or who knows. Yeah. No kidding. Um, are you guys getting, you guys are probably back into the daylight by now, huh? Yeah. We got a bunch. It's, it's just like you said earlier, it's, it's that February time now where we got some beautiful sunshine. It's 35 below. There's not much wind, but there's not much. There's not really enough day- daylight to go chase anything. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's just, but it's getting there. They, we, we have more daylight than people suspect at this time of year. Yeah. And by, by the middle of March, we, we're like full bore. Oh you yeah. Know? It's good. Everybody thinks it's noon when we have sunshine, but by the end of March, we got, we're full bore daylight. You guys probably have as much or more than Fairbanks by the end of March. I mean, like it gains so much faster up there, you know, it loses faster and you get your, your to- yeah, yeah, totally dark. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess by the yeah, I'm gonna guess by the end of March we're we're probably way ahead of you by then, or yeah. at least ahead of you, not way ahead of you. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it starts happening quick this time of year, which is nice. It's yeah. just about time because you're just about ready to pull your hair out from it. Oh, that's the from truth. The dark. Yeah, and you know, I don't know about I haven't really been paying attention up there because you know in the same the same state, but what as the crow flies probably 600 miles away. Um, 600 miles north of Fairbanks. I mean, we've, yeah. we've had a pretty, uh, finally after the last couple of years being spoiled, we've had a re- a pretty real winter this year, you know, where it's the last till a few days we just are coming out, coming back into a cold snap. We had one like somewhere around the beginning of December till a few days ago where it was, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 below, depending on where you're at in the Fairbanks area, pretty much pretty much for a month and a half almost. Yeah, we, it's funny because we had a real gentle November, December, and we woke up on Christmas Day and it was 30 below and everybody was like, huh? And yeah. it was like zero before that. Yeah. And, you know, and then it went away a little bit. And then about the middle of January or so, we started 25, 30 below, and we've been 30 below ever since, which is almost like a normal winter. Yeah. But we haven't had one in so long. Everybody's like, hey, it's kind of cold outside. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, is it spring? I, I want to say it's, it's, it's been 35, 40 below. Yeah. And I wonder, I want to say it was in December. Was it Alakakit that hit like 72 below? Yeah. It was somewhere just south of the range there. Yeah. They've, they've, it's been cold all over. You know, yeah. Peru has had some miserable cold days yeah. the last month. Yeah. Which, uh, it's funny, you know, I was thinking about some of the things that, that, you know, people in some of the warmer states don't don't ever have to deal with like you know, like you get on your trucks, you get the flat tire or you know, square tires from freezing free freezing yeah. with a flat spot on them. Um, I mean, like just stuff just doesn't want to work. Like what 
you know, what's snow machines don't want to start up. Um, I don't know. You guys are all, you're, you got, you guys all heating oil heat up there pretty much. Probably not enough muskox, no, muskox no, pies. No, we have a gas field. So we're all, oh, right. Yeah. That's, power, that's right. Oh yeah. No, we're, we're spoiled rotten. Our gas, all of our power comes from, uh, gas turbines, gas generators Yep, and, uh, gas for heat in the houses. Of course, gas, gas for our, Ovens, gas for our dryers. Yeah, we gas is cheap here. Yeah, the oil, field, the oil companies put in gas for eons to go. Yeah, no, that, and I can't believe I didn't know that because that makes total sense. I mean, there's been talk for years about what to do with all the extra gas up there. I mean, I shooting Prudo, I worked on a insulating the the exhaust stacks for a, a new like gas turbine, uh, basically jet engine power plant that they were building up there a few years ago. So yeah, all that I can't believe I didn't know that. I feel stupid now. No, no. Well, I mean, there's no. Re- if you haven't been here, or haven't had to work here, there's no reason to know it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ironic. I mean, it was a lot of work for them guys back in the day. Actually, they just sent a couple winters ago. They sent a couple crews over here with a drill rig and reworked a couple of the wells. Yeah. Um, but it's a no. We're spoiled rotten with that because the the guys that are having to burn diesel for electricity and using the, cause most everybody else uses electricity yep. for heat oh, on yeah. the villages. Yep. The North villages. So it's, it's, you know, our electricity and our fuel is subsidized to some extent, but that's still a pain and it's expensive. Yeah. You know, we don't, we, we just don't have the capacity to store that much fuel oil. Oh anywhere. no. Yeah. Well, and shipping, and deliver it, yeah. Know. Shipping fuel oil is just such a pain, you know? Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, Aside from musk ox pies and and fuel oil, yeah, <laughs> it's lucky you guys got that. That would be a pain in the ass otherwise. Yeah, and we we freeze to death if we were waiting on musk ox pies because we don't have none of them either. Yeah, no, they, uh, yeah, they, there is there, there probably isn't any out that far up to the north. Or are they all closer to the Brooks Range? I don't know. I mean, there's not a bu- a br- busting population of them up there. There's not that many on this side at all, and all the ones, most of the ones that exist are either up in the Colville River or further east, or, you know, there's most of the ones that are seen are along the Hall Road there. Yeah. And they're Franklin Bluffs, and there's some off, you know, all the way to Kavik. There's a, a section of them in there, but there's just, there's not, I mean, there's only like 200. They want 600 to have a hunt. I mean, there's yeah. just not enough. The bears are still just hard on them. Yeah. You know, no, they... It's too, too many bears, not enough calves living. Yep. Yeah, and that's 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 a tough thing up there, man. I mean, you can only get so many guys. You know, you could have a bunch a bunch of people would, would love to go kill them, but it, loving to go kill them in your head and actually going and doing it's two different things. Absolutely, yeah, and, and it's. I mean, we just got. You know, there's so many predators nowadays that people just don't understand. I mean, you see they're trying to introduce wolves back in Colorado. Yeah, and, and I mean, after all of the damage, we've all seen and documented and heard again until you're just sick about hearing it montana idaho wyoming and the wolves and how they've just devastated the elk herds and the sheep herds and the, the mule deer and i mean they're affecting the lions they affect everything yeah but and here we go again we want to introduce a bunch more like why in the world and it's it is it's not hunters obviously and it's you know biodiversity people but to some extent they've got they've got huge wolf problems in europe now it's new and in, in a lot of parts of europe wolf problems 
and they love it. The, the anti-hunters love it because they're going to get two things. They're going to get to see a lot more wolves, and the wolves are going to eventually wipe out the, the ungulates, and then we're going to have nothing to hunt. Yep. No, yeah. That... You know, and they, especially in Europe, they're not going to let anybody touch a wolf. So it's it's bad. Yeah. And it's bad enough here. Yeah. I mean, it's talking to some of the old timers well, that I don't a lot of the old timers credit, you know, the glory days of the Brooks Range sheep hunting to the days when, you know, it, it as being a result of all them outfitters up there and a bunch of private guys going up there and, and you know, every spring in their super cubs and blasting the shit out of the wolves. And, yeah, I mean, it make it makes sense. So, you know, they're, the state's predator control program and the 40 mile did, did great things for that caribou herd. Well, it's same with the wrangles. I mean, those outfitters are well documented about killing and poisoning and, you know, killing. Well, I mean, the, the state had bounties out. There was yep. for wolves and bears. Yep. They, they massacred the predators back in the old days, and everything was better off for it. The moose, the caribou, the sheep, all of it. Yeah, and there were still wolves you know? and bears. <laughs> yeah, you can't eradicate them. No. They're still going to be around. I mean, just, and you know what? If they if they want to put fences around the park and keep them in the damn park, yep. get rid of the rest of them. Yeah, no kidding. At some point, we have some point we have to say i mean in fishing game we have to bring it or push the issue or something but you start talking about residents non-residents and wolves there's not enough to go around for all three of us yeah you know so the wolves are the ones that you lose first the wolves and the bears you know so we we <laughs> we need to make room for us and you know there's always room for them there's plenty of parts and like you say you can't eradicate them oh but they no. definitely need to be thinned out yep. in a big manner i mean they're just there's way 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 too many and even it's like as, the Brooks Range. Yeah. I mean, there's there's theoretically only one village in the Brooks Range. You know, yeah. Wiseman and some of those villages right on the road right there. But Anacubic Pass is the only village, the only place where people live in the Brooks Range. The rest of that's uninhabited. Yeah. You know, it's just filthy with bears, but there's nobody in there. Oh yeah. You know. You could never. You could I mean, hunting them. You could ne- You know, hunting them would never make enough impact. To to uh, it would oh. it would never have any impact, you know. You just there's just too many None. of them, too many None. of them, too much country. And it's the same with the wolf. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, snow machines are fifteen thousand dollars, and gas up here is six seven dollars a gallon. Like nobody can afford to kill a wolf. No, they're not they're not viable to chase anymore. You nope. can't catch enough of them to pay for your equipment. Yep. No, that's that's the truth. Yep. Yeah, gas is expensive, and the price you know the price of wolves isn't you know they're it isn't anything to really to write home about, you know, unless you get a super fancy one, but your average wolf is not, not worth that much money. Absolutely not. You know, the villages all kill them for subsistence and they kill enough to, to use for parkas and do what they need to do with, but there's not enough, you know, they're not making an impact on the population whatsoever. No, no. And none of the outfitters live up here anymore or come up here in the springtime anymore. You know, yeah, well, so much so that so much that federal land up there, like there's just it's, you know, there's no legal way that those guys can do it anymore. Yep, yeah, and it, you know, it it's it's a tough go, and we have huge problems, obviously. With I think I think we have more problems than anybody with state versus feds. Yeah, you know, and, and the squabble of control and impact, all that stuff. I mean. The feds have really tied everybody's hands on federal ground doing anything with predators. Yep. I know they're trying to do some of that, but it's still, it's, I mean, it's going to take time to catch up. Yeah. We're way behind. 
Yeah, you can change a couple leadership positions, but the vast majority of those agencies, you know, especially the Park Service, are pretty unabashedly anti-hunting. Yeah, unfortunately, that's very, very true. Yeah. You know, I, hopefully we get this president a second term, and and I know he's got some way more important things to address than us as hunters, but ho- hopefully we can get some time in the second term. Yeah, I, I sure hope we can, we can at least keep, at least keep the tide back a little bit, you know, and, and kind of preserve, preserve our way of life. I don't know about you, but I don't know where the hell I'd be without being able to do this kind of stuff. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. I'd, I'd be completely lost. And that's what I fear for my kids. Like it's, you know, where are we going to be? in 20 years. I mean, look, look at what we've lost in 20 years and where are we going to be in 20 more? Like things happen so fast. Oh yeah. Especially I, nowadays with, I, with technology and social media and all this nonsense things, just everything moves at the speed of light. Yep. Nope. And I look, I look at it. I'm like, there's no way me as a kid, I look at my old school assignments, you know, some that my parents saved. It's like, there's no way me as a kid would have ever made it through the public school system without some sort of psychiatric review. And I, I feel like I turned out okay anyway. Well, but I mean, look at what these kids, my kids don't watch a lot of TV, but I, I still do. Cause I'm trying to keep track of what they're doing. Like, or stay ahead of them a little yeah. bit if I can. I mean, these kids don't have, they don't have great options to watch on TV and everywhere they go, everybody coddles and the babies. I'm like, it's, it's such a different world. Oh, I mean, yeah. if, like when we were kids riding our bicycles and making jumps in the front yard, like I came home bloody every day. And yeah. most of the time it was my own fault. Yeah. You know, my mom would just send me in the bathroom to wash up and like everybody else's mom. I wasn't special. Everybody's mom was that way. We were all just, it was different. Yeah. Times are different. They, I know we all talk about it and, our parents said the same thing. Our parents raised us. It was a different time for them, but things have changed so much in the past two decades with everything. The world has completely changed in so many ways. Describe it. It's not the world we grew up in and you're not that old. I mean, I'm getting no. older. I'm 48. You're still in your 30s. Aren't you? Yeah. I'm 34. Yeah. See it. And it's changed drastically for you. Oh, big, I mean, it's, big time. You know, it, yeah, I still it, remember it before I'm, cell phones were a thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, my, my kids, you know, I got a nine-year-old asking, you know, cause a lot of kids in her class have a cell phone. She, she's like, you know, when can I have, them? I'm like, we're, we're a long way away from that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you, you can already run my phone better than I can. I'm not letting you have your own phone until I can figure out how to keep track of that. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, and, it's a, and it, you know, how do you tell a nine-year-old? It's it's not because I don't trust you; it's because I don't trust everybody else in the world. Oh yeah, exactly. You know? They she just understand that. no, and, and they you know, kids can't. You know, it's all it's only something you really understand once you grow up and get lose a little bit of your innocence and know that you know, no, like no, even just getting a little tiny glimpse into what all goes on into the world. So believe me, you know, I'm our you know. My daughter's two, and she already has, like, three toy cell phones, so I'm in for it big time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I I wish both my parents were still alive so I could go back and hug them and apologize for all the stupid stuff I yeah. ever did. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, good grief. It, it, nothing will make you appreciate your parents like being a parent. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, it changes. I mean, I, t- I tell people that don't 
you know, have kids, it changes your perspective on so many things, you know, like I can't, I can't stand to watch like movies where bad stuff happens to kids or anything like that. Like before you have kids, it's just like, you know, yeah, that sucks, but it's not like a, you know, it's, it's just different. It's weird. Now you start seeing your kids everywhere. Absolutely. Well, speaking of kids, but I, I got to run in here and get them. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, uh, yeah, it's been great catching up with you and, uh, and we'll stay in touch and, uh, and yeah. So if anyone, if anyone, uh, wants to look at some of those, those Asia hunting options or, you know, need some help getting outfitted with gear for an Alaska hunt or just about anything else, uh, uh, your website just captivate them outdoors. Yep. Yep. www.captivatemoutdoors.com. Awesome, Mike. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, great catching up with you and, uh, and I'll, I'll stay in touch. So take care, man. As always. 100% my pleasure, Tyler. Thanks, right. bud. Yep, no problem. Talk to you. Yep, Bye. see ya. Now, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, uh, appreciate it if you leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that at, uh, at patreon.com slash Tundra Talk. Thank you.